0: Water in the car. Be seated. it's time for talk law radio with todd marquart todd marquart attorney at law in texas if you're a millionaire or a thousandaire talk law radio is now on the air call in with your business law question your elder law question veteran aid medicaid build a business to get paid 210-308-8867, or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt.
1: Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. Today, we're going to be talking about the hidden legal issue blind spot of deeds, First, we'll define what a deed is and what it does. Second, we'll talk about the differences between a warranty deed, special warranty deed, and quitclaim. Third, we'll discuss the differences between a gift deed, transfer-on-death deed, and a ladybird deed. If you really want to understand deeds, you'll have to understand the statute of frauds, which is in Chapter 26 of the Business and Commerce Code. Uh, the recording statute, which is in Chapter 12 of the Texas Property Code, and what a bona fide purchaser for value is, uh, which is in Section 13.001A of the Texas Property Code. Call us during the show if you have a real estate question, or post your comment on our Facebook page, or you can email me at host at talklawradio.com, that's H-O-S-T at TalkLawRadio.com, and I'll read your question on the air. Court Law Firm sponsors our show today, and attorneys at Court Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans, new businesses and old businesses, which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, family-limited partnerships, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like in district court, county court, or probate court. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs our law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law. But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, the material you hear today is meant for general informational purposes only, and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary, and therefore the information you hear today should be relied upon only when coordinated with your individual professional advice. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us of our sins, for our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing or failing to do your will. Please help me give good information to the listeners about top nine differences in deeds today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. Like I said, today's show is about deeds, the hidden legal issue blind spot that you may not know about deeds. We'll talk about what it is and how it works. Then we'll talk about the differences between a warranty deed, special warranty deed, quit claim, Third, we'll talk about the differences between a gift deed, transfer on death deed, and a ladybird deed. Call us during the show if you have a real estate question. You can reach us at 210-308-8867, or you can post a comment in the Facebook live stream, or you can email me at host at talklawradio.com, that's H-O-S-T at talklawradio.com. Okay, if you're wondering who I am, I'm an attorney here in San Antonio, been practicing since 2006, went to St. Mary's University School of Law here in San Antonio, but I'm from New Mexico. I came here to go to law school, and my wife and I really liked it here. Uh, We both grew up in a small town, and the people of San Antonio were friendly like they lived in a small town too. (laughs) Even though it's a big city, people still create that small town atmosphere. So I worked for another law firm for a few years and then started my own law firm in 2009. A couple of years later, uh, incorporated as Marquardt Law Firm, a professional corporation. Now, We have two other attorneys that are uh, working full-time with me. We have one part-time attorney uh, who's of counsel, and we're looking for another full-time attorney. So if you're interested in joining a dynamic practice and uh, you're interested in estate planning, probate, guardianship, business law, elder law, uh, we might be the right fit for you. How did I get interested in this field? Glad you asked. Well, my dad was a legislator for the New Mexico House of Representatives Uh, for 12 years. I got to go to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and visit him while he was doing his work at the legislature. Every year, I'd meet the governor, uh, several uh, representatives, both in the House and the Senate, And sometimes I would get to meet agency directors. And so during that time, I was just interested. Then when I went to college, uh, I majored in government, law and society, and political theory at New Mexico State University in Las Cruces, New Mexico. And that led me to a passion about helping people understand the law and helping them navigate the legal system to accomplish their goals. Here are some quotes about real estate. Uh, This first one from Franklin D. Roosevelt. He said, real estate cannot be lost or stolen, nor can it be carried away. Purchased with common sense, paid for in full, and managed with reasonable care, It is about the safest investment in the world. Remember, that's Franklin D. Roosevelt that said that, not Todd Marquardt. Not giving investment advice, that's from Franklin D. Roosevelt. Okay, so one thing that you might be able to chime in about is, what are some common reasons that you would leave real estate to a beneficiary upon your death? You can participate in this informal poll by calling in at 210-308-8867, or you can post a comment in the live Facebook feed, or you can email me at host at talklawradio.com and tell us what you think. I'll give uh, several reasons at the end of the show of reasons that people have given me common reasons that they would want to leave real estate to their beneficiaries. Remember, this is 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Later, we'll be on podcasts everywhere. And I'm Todd Marquart, and my job is to help you discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio and podcasts. And you can also find us on TalkLawRadio.com. You can search that site. For all kinds of programs that I've been doing in the past, I think this is episode 126, unique episodes. Of course, I've been doing this for the last three years, so if you listened every weekend, you might catch a rerun or two. Today, we're going to be talking about deeds, what are the differences, and how do we use one. So, In Texas Property Code section 5.021, it says, A deed must be in writing, must be subscribed, and delivered by the grantor. So number one, it has to be written, cannot be oral. Number two, subscribed, that's the legal word for you signed it. And number three, delivered. And... If you record the deed, then it's presumed that it was delivered to the grantee, um, but it doesn't have to be recorded in order to be legal. It's just a good idea to record it, and I'll talk about that in a little while uh, when we talk about the notice statute. Well, we have to take a break, and so uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back.
2: business owners and industry leaders seeking to elevate your brand and align with a highly targeted audience. Talk Law Radio invites you to partner with us in bringing in-depth interviews with expert guests, thought-provoking discussions, and practical advice on a variety of matters to the listening audience. Let us get your business name out into the community. Log on to talklawradio.com to find out how you can become a
1: sponsor. That's talklawradio.com. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Markport and today we're talking about deeds on 930 AM The Answer. We're live on Facebook, and we'll be on YouTube later on this week. So I wanted to explain first, what is a deed for? Uh, some people may not know. We use a deed to transfer title, sometimes from the seller to a buyer, sometimes from the gift giver, to the gift receiver. And I was just telling you before the break that a deed has to be in writing, has to be signed, and has to be delivered. But an unrecorded deed is still binding on the party to the instrument. That means the grantor, his heirs, and assigns. Um, But we have to talk about the bona fide purchaser for value. Now, bona fide is Latin. Lawyers like to use Latin still. Um, That just means in truth, in fact. A conveyance of an interest in real property must be in writing, signed, delivered. I already told you that. So, let's move on. What is a warranty deed? A general warranty deed conveys to a grantee a fee simple estate in real property, with a covenant of general warranty, subject to the reservations and exceptions stated in the deed. We have to define several things there. I'll, I'll give you the simple layman's uh, version of the definition. So when we say convey, that means transfer, to to go from one person to the next. Fee simple is what we call the totality of the property rights that you're going to receive. There are different rights that you could grant and convey to the grantee, to the, to the beneficiary. You could hold some of those rights back. And so in real estate, we talk about all of those rights like a bundle of sticks. So you could leave some rights out. You could include all of the rights. Fee simple means that you're going to own it all of those rights together. And the covenant that's like a promise or a provision in a contract, it includes the general warranty. Now you probably are thinking in your mind what a warranty is like a car warranty or a refrigerator warranty. Um Anything you buy nowadays at the store, they ask you, do you want a warranty with that? Uh, because that way they can charge you extra. And if it's a good product, you'll never use the warranty. And so they, they just get free money for that. Well, it's kind of the same thing when we're talking about real estate. The customary warranty clause describes uh, what the grantor binds. So, it obligates the grantor to indemnify the grantee against any loss resulting from a title defect, or from any encumbrance that arose before the conveyance. So, a di- title defect might be that uh, one of those bundle of one of those sticks in the bundle uh, isn't actually owned by the grantor. Or if there's an encumbrance, what that would be is like a lien from money that the grantor uh, owes somebody, like a mortgage or or, or like uh, money owed to a, a contractor or a mechanic. So those liens can be filed and, and they're against the property. If So if the grantee is damaged because he doesn't get to fully exercise all of his rights on the property, then the grantor would be responsible under this warranty. Now, there's all kinds of exceptions. I'm just giving you the 30,000-foot the view of deeds and warranty. Uh, the, the next thing I want to just mention briefly, because we got to talk about it at some point, is community property. You know what community property is, right? If, if you're listening to this message, chances are you're in Texas. Texas is a, one of a handful of states that has community property law. And what that means is that you share property with your spouse. Under the inception of title doctrine, the character of property, whether separate or community, is fixed at the time of acquisition. Separate property consists of the property owned or claimed by a spouse before marriage, or it could be property acquired by a spouse during marriage if it's received by gift, devise, or descent. By gift, whether it's an inheritance or a lifetime gift from somebody else, Or, separate property is also the recovery of personal injury sustained by the spouse during marriage, except for lost earnings. A spouse may set aside all or part of their community property as separate property by partition or exchange agreement, like in a premarital agreement or a prenuptial agreement or a postmarital agreement. Community property, on the other hand, is property other than separate property, and there's a presumption that property acquired during marriage is community property. Now, you can rebut that presumption by proving one of those other things uh, by clear and convincing evidence. Okay, so you got to hold that in the back of your mind when, when we're talking about deeds, because If you want to give your property or if you even want to sell your property to somebody else, uh, your spouse may have to sign because even if your spouse is not named on the deed document, they still might have a one-half interest by presumption. Okay, let's talk about special warranty deeds. Now, the, the special warranty deed is something less than a general warranty deed. By converting the general warranty to a special warranty, the grantor warrants to defend the title conveyed to the grantee only to the extent that claims are made by, through, or under the grantor. Special warranty covers only title defects caused by the grantor, not those caused by the grantor's predecessors and title. So that's less than what would be covered by the general warranty deed, In the general warranty deed, the grantor does warrant those defects or encumbrances even before the grantor got the title. So title insurance coverage for covenants of warranty is available through an owner policy of title insurance. If you're interested in title insurance, I did a show a few weeks ago, so you can search on TalkLawRadio.com. For that episode about title insurance, Uh, I interviewed Matt Profit with Security Service Title Company. We talked a lot about title insurance. Okay, next, what would a deed be if it doesn't have a warranty? Uh, There's no requirement that you include a warranty in your deed. A covenant of warranty is not required. Uh, That's in the Texas Property Code Section 5.022B. The deed without warranty passes the grantor's title to the grantee with an express exclusion of warranties. The deed relieves the grantor of any warranty responsibility for title defects, yet provides the grantee a true deed as opposed to a mere quit claim. Now, don't get all excited like, you're glad that you're not going to include any warranty for the buyer because the buyer may not want your property <laughs> if you're not going to give any warranties on it. It's it's very common for the buyer to acquire the property with all of these warranties. And so if you're going to include less than that, then maybe they pay less or maybe they don't want the property at all. So I just told you, that a deed without warranty conveys the property as a true deed as opposed to a mere quit claim. So what does a quit claim do then? Glad you asked. A quit claim gives notice to the grantee that title to the property may not be clear. So you can't have a bona fide purchaser for value here. Thus, if the grantor has title to the property but will not war- warrant title, a deed without warranty is preferable. Sometimes people talk about using a quit claim, um, but title companies really hate this, and they they see a quit claim as a red flag, like it might be fraud or forgery, and so you you might have to explain why there's a quit claim in the chain of title so the title on property is not really like the title of a motor vehicle uh, w- when you get a title to your car or truck you have this piece of paper that has your name on it that says you're the owner well in real estate lawyers have to deduce who the owner of the property is by Looking at the chain of title, each deed that has been passed from buyer, from seller to buyer, buyer to uh, those who might inherit from them, all the way back to when Texas was founded, that's a chain. And so each conveyance is a link in the chain of title. And at the title company, when you're getting title insurance, they'll look at the chain and see if there are any defects. You know that you have title to the property if you're the last one in line. Okay, so we've been talking about deeds, general warranty deeds, special warranty deeds, and let's see, let's do another quote. Andrew Carnegie said, 90% of all millionaires become so through owning real estate. John Rockefeller said the major fortunes in America have been made in land. Interesting. Okay, so you know this is Talk Law Radio. I'm your host, Todd Marquardt. We're talking about your hidden legal issue blind spots, which might be using the wrong deed or buying property that has a defect in title. And so I just want to clear up Any misconceptions that might happen between general warranty deeds, special warranty deeds, deeds without warranty, or quitclaim deeds. We also talked about community property. Okay, I want to go to what is a gift deed? Well, that's when you receive it as a gift. You didn't pay for it. And so that's a good thing, right? Well, it it might be, there might be some hidden issue legal blind spots in that area as well. So let's talk about how it's different from a deed that you pay money for. Well, the essential elements of a gift made during a grantor's lifetime are there has to be donative intent, delivery, and acceptance. So I read this court case about um, two guys that were fighting over some stock. And uh, the guy that had it said, I never promised you anything. I never gave you anything. You're just a small fry in my book. The other guy said, no, you you gave me the stock. You said that you would. And so I have it. <laughs> and the court said to find the existence of the gift you must find, there must be proof. You have to have evidence of donative intent, delivery, and acceptance. And so in this case, when it's stock, the, the receiver has to actually have it in his hand. Well, I have to take another break. Stay tuned. I'll be right back.
3: Discover the fascinating world of the law with Talk Law Radio. Listen to 30 AM The Answer every Saturday morning at 11 for insightful discussions and expert analysis. Then, don't miss out on a thrilling bonus segment every Sunday at 4.30 p.m. when Talk Law Radio's attorney, Todd Marquardt, offers his professional perspective on trending legal issues. Stay informed and engaged with the legal matters that shape our nation. Join Talk law Radio for an enriching radio experience on 930 AM The Answer. And for more info, go to TalkLawRadio.com
1: back to Talk Law Radio. I'm your host, Todd Marquardt. Uh, we're talking about deeds, and so this might be a hidden legal issue blind spot, and we've been talking about the differences between general warranty deed, special warranty deed, deed without warranty, quit claim. I introduced briefly what a gift deed is before the break. If you have a chance, give us a call at 210-308-8867 or email me at host at talklawradio.com or post a comment in the Facebook live feed about what are some common reasons to bequest real estate. Upon death, you can't keep your real estate. You can't put your house in the coffin in the grave with you, so you have to leave it to somebody. Even if you don't have a will, the state of Texas will say who gets it. Uh, One reason, for example, that I've heard is so that my disabled or disadvantaged child has a place to live and isn't homeless. There might be some other reasons that you've heard or that you've thought of yourself about why you would want to leave it to somebody in particular or to your kids or grandkids or to charity we were talking about gift deeds, and I said that you had to have three things for it to be a gift. You had to have donative intent, you had to have delivery, and you had to have acceptance. Sometimes in a gift deed, you'll see the words love and affection as the consideration instead of saying that somebody granted and conveyed um, it, it'll it say love and affection, or you could use other words as well. One of the characteristics of a gift deed tax-wise is that the person receiving the gift has gets the carryover basis that the grantor had. So let's say the, the grantor bought the property in year 2001, and gave away the property in 2021. Well, the grant, the receiver, the grantee, receives the same tax base, cost basis that the grantor had way back in 2001. So if the grantee sells the property right after he receives it in 2021, there's going to be about 20 years of of gain, of growth, probably, and they might have to pay capital gains tax. This is all different as to as opposed to receiving a property after death, like in a will or a trust, or by transfer on death deed. This is another type of deed, um, but one of the chief characteristics is that the the grantor gets to keep the property and enjoy all of those rights until the grantor passes away and so the it works kind of like a will but it's just specific for this property. The Texas Real Estate Property Transfer on Death Act authorizes an individual to execute and record a transfer on death deed to make a revocable transfer on the transfer's interest in real property to one or more designated beneficiaries, and it becomes effective upon the grantor's death. So revocable means the grantor can change his or her mind and leave it to somebody else. This is all according to Texas Estate Code, chapter 114. So this is a way of leaving somebody the property after death Another way would be a life estate. It's essentially a life estate, um, the transfer on death deed, that is, um, but a life estate would be different, and the chief characteristic that makes it different is that just a, a regular, a plain-jane life estate deed is not going to be revocable. In this Transfer on Death Deed Act uh, established in Estates Code Chapter 114, specifically says it's revocable. You can change your mind. Another similar type deed that we were using even before the transfer on death deed was um, invented by the legislature is the Ladybird deed. What is a Ladybird deed? Well, good attorneys would call it an enhanced life estate deed. It's a deed in which a grantor transfers property to a grantee, retains the life estate, meaning the right to use the property uh, while they're still alive, retain the proceeds if it's sold, and cut off the grantee's right to use the property. It's considered that the beneficiaries under an enhanced life estate deed are vested subject to divestment if you're an attorney you probably knows you probably know what that means for everybody else it means that the beneficiary will get the property unless they don't <laughs> because the ladybird deed can also be revoked now you're thinking why is it called a ladybird deed well according to professor jerry byer the myth going around that President Lyndon Johnson used this type of deed to transfer property to his wife, Lady Bird Johnson, are not true. That's what most people will tell you. Instead, they traced it back to a Florida attorney who drafted the first Lady Bird deed around 1982. Jerome Ira Sulkoff used the a fit- Fictitious group of characters named Linton, Ladybird, Lucy, and Linda in his book and lecture materials when he was explaining how to use this type of deed. And it, it just stuck. People started calling it that, and of course, attorneys in Texas borrowed the concept and have been using it for a long time. There's two problems with. the the transfer on death deed and Lady Bird deed uh, that come up um, principally because it's revocable, meaning that the grantor can change his or her mind. Um, I'm, I'm using a couple of court cases as case studies. So the first one is where the grantor did change his or her mind. So the grantor, Richard signed a deed that would transfer the property to his brother Charles upon Richard's death. So that was the transfer-on-death deed. Subsequently, Richard transferred his home to himself and his nephew as joint tenants. So, together. And after Richard died, there was a litigation ensued between Charles and Kevin, and the court said whatever Charles was to receive, that's the brother, upon Richard's death through the transfer on death deed could be diminished by Richard during Richard's life. He can change his mind. When Richard subsequently signed the the deed, the joint tenant's to Kevin, his nephew, Richard conveyed all of his property away. And so there was nothing for Charles to receive after death. That's just an example where something simple and powerful as a deed can really create a big problem in the family between Charles, the brother, and Kevin, the nephew. I I don't know if Kevin was uh, Charles's son or not, but if he was, you can imagine the family conflict that would ensue there. So one of the things attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm do to help make sure we have good outcomes for our clients is we look at how do we tax efficiently, protect and preserve assets, reduce family conflict, and maximize uh, government benefits. So those are three things that everybody should look at when they're thinking about, well, should I revoke my deed or should I change my mind? Okay, let's talk about the bona fide purchaser for value. So this is a problem that comes up when uh, the same person tries to sell the same property to two different people. So although equitable title to real property passes at the time a deed is delivered, a delay in recording the deed leaves open the possibility that the prior owner could illegally purport to convey the same property to a different purchaser. This is where the importance of the recording statute comes into play. Because if I, well, I'll give you an example here in a second. Okay, the bona fide purchaser for value is the purchaser of a property who, after searching the county clerk records, finds no defect, and he pays value to the parent owner. And he does that without any actual knowledge that somebody actually owns the property other than the owner. Well, I have to leave you with that thought. We have to take another break. When we come back, I'll finish my explanation on bona fide purchaser for value. Stay tuned.
3: Discover the fascinating world of the law with Talk Law Radio. Listen to 9.30 a.m. The Answer every Saturday morning at 11 for insightful discussions and expert analysis. Then, don't miss out on a thrilling bonus segment every Sunday at 4.30 p.m. when Talk Law Radio's attorney, Todd Marquardt, offers his professional perspective on trending legal issues. Stay informed and engaged with the legal matters that shape our nation. Join Talk law Radio for an enriching radio experience on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And for more info, go to TalkLawRadio.com.
1: Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquart, and we're talking about deeds today. Uh, Before the break, I was talking about bona fide Purchaser for Value. That's the guy that buys a property uh, from the wrong owner, and it happens when maybe the owner sells the same property twice uh, because the second buyer doesn't have any actual knowledge. It doesn't come up very often, because there's prop if you're dealing with residential real estate in the city, you could very easily see somebody's living in the house. That gives you actual knowledge if you If you're looking in the county records to find out who the owner is, that's more of a constructive knowledge. Uh, the the fact that you could have looked it up, you could have found out. And that's why title insurance is so important, because if you don't look it up and you didn't have title insurance and you were defrauded by the the owner who sold the same property twice, then it's your fault. Uh, you don't get any remedy for that. But if you did hire a title company or you did do a diligent search uh, and you still found no uh, conveyance from from the original buyer to anybody else. Then you would be known as a bona fide purchaser for value. You got to pay fair market value. You got to be without any actual notice that there was a problem. Okay, so this is the fourth segment, and you know what that means.
2: And now it's time for the Talk Law Radio Legacy Spotlight. What's Your Legacy? Sponsored by Marquardt Law Firm.
1: Okay, we're going to talk more about the common reasons to bequest real estate. You may have your own reasons, or you may have heard some of your neighbor's reasons, or a family friend's reasons. Uh, I'd like to know what you think. So give us a call here at the radio station, 930 AM The Answer. You can reach us at 210-308- 8867, or you can post a comment in the Facebook live stream, or you can email me at host at com and let me know what your reasons would be or what you heard. Uh, Number two, I've heard because my child is disabled and will not be able to earn enough money over a lifetime to purchase his or her her own house. Number three, um, leaving real estate to a loved one because it represents value. And after it's sold, the beneficiaries will have money for which they can spend on health care, retirement, or educating their children. Uh, One person said to provide an appreciating financial asset that might not require the same active participation, involvement, and financial acumen as would be necessary in securities like stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Uh, Another individual said a good reason to leave real estate after death would be so that the children have a place to gather together. Give them a place to reconnect, reunite, get together as a family so they don't lose touch. Uh, Another reason, number six, because my child quit work to take care of me in my old age. So that would be a form of reward for uh, dutiful service. Another one, so that my beneficiary will have a source of income by renting out the property. Uh, number eight, I want to leave it. I want to keep it in the family for emotional or sentimental reasons. Uh, another popular one is just for the beneficiaries to use for recreation, if it's a, a hunting ranch or if it's um, a pond out in the desert. <laughs> I've actually seen that before. And, and that's where all the family gathered. It, it was like a cabin in the woods, uh, except this one was uh, an oasis in the desert. Very interesting. Number 10, for someone to have a place to live if they lose their shirt, just in case they suffer a financial setback from divorce, disability, economic downturn, or medical catastrophe. Another good reason could be business succession. Uh, One gentleman told me, think about the historical value like Mount Vernon. Boy, if you look that up, you will find um, lots of people had the property. Uh, I'll spare you the details there because I got too much to cover. Uh, But Mount Vernon... Uh, they probably didn't know it was going to be a historical site. It was just a valuable property. Uh, number 13, to pass on a family heirloom. Uh, people tell me this all the time. That was, that was where I grew up. I have lots of memories there. And I, I warn them that someday one of the beneficiaries is going to need money, <laughs> and then they'll be fighting over whether it could be sold. Uh, another uh, number fourteen, a farm or ranch might have uh, might be a family heirloom, so it might have both sentimental value and business value. If if it's a going concern like a cattle ranch or a, a corn farm, uh, number fifteen, it might be the only thing left to be passed down. So this could be the case if uh, somebody applied for and qualified for nursing home Medicaid benefits, uh, you can qualify for nursing home Medicaid and still have a house. And so oftentimes that's the only asset left. Now, there are things you have to do to protect the house from Medicaid estate recovery, uh, but you should contact your favorite attorney to uh, talk about that. Now I'd like to talk about 10 reasons to reconsider the transfer on death deed. That means if you're considering it, let's consider it again to look at whether it's a good idea or not a good idea. So, we talked about the transfer on death deed already and the Ladybird deed, these uh, would easily fit into this analysis as well. I think there's 10 reasons that a person should reconsider whether or not that's the deed for them. If you want to learn more about that, then just rewind to the beginning of the show and you can learn more about transfer on death deed. So you might consider uh, a transfer on death deed or a ladybird deed if you answer yes to the following questions. Number one, do you own your home? Now that doesn't mean you own it free and clear. Just Do you have your own house? You can't do this with an apartment or a rental home. It's got to be yours in order for this to work. Number two, you don't own other real estate. And the reason I say that is because if you have uh, a transfer on death deed for every property that you own, it can be very confusing and chaotic for administration of your estate and you might make some mistakes um, that you're not aware of until after they find you uh, and bury you. Number three, do you want to avoid probate? Now, a transfer-on-death deed or a ladybird deed or a life estate deed, these deeds will help you avoid probate as to that single property. You might have to go to probate for other reasons, and so you want to have... A law firm, look at a holistic approach to see what would be best for you. Number four, do you want your estate planning to be simple for you to carry out? It's kind of like a will. It's very easy for you to do. You don't have to do much in addition to getting the attorney the information that he or she needs. So those are some reasons why somebody might consider it. Your situation is probably more complicated, however, if you answer yes to any of the other 10 questions. So I'm going to go through these rapid fire because we only have about three minutes left in the show. It's Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquart talking about deeds today. And these are 10 reasons that you may not want a transfer on death or a Lady Bird deed. Number one. You want your estate planning to be simple for your beneficiaries to receive, especially if you have multiple beneficiaries and they maybe they don't work together. Maybe they wouldn't be good landowners together. Maybe they wouldn't be good business partners. Do you want to keep the property in the family? Now, usually we use a trust for that. And so if you're using a simple deed, and you're just hoping that people will forever keep the opinion that they're going to keep the property in the family, uh, that might be a mistake. Number three, do you have children from a prior relationship? Second marriages, stepchildren, children from a prior relationship, those are all complicating factors that you would want to talk to your estate planning attorney about. Number four, does your spouse have children from a prior relationship? That's also related. Number five, are you worried that the assets you have accumulated might be used to enrich a replacement spouse? So if I pass away, is my wife going to get remarried, marry some other guy that's going to benefit from my hard work? If that upsets you, then maybe you don't want to use a transfer-on-death deed or a ladybird deed. Would the beneficiaries of your property be good business partners? Are you planning for government benefits to pay for your long-term assisted or nursing home care? Again, it's just something to think about, and your attorney will help you figure these things out. Are any of your beneficiaries disabled? incapacitated, or receiving means-tested government benefits. Maybe receiving title outright isn't in their best interest. Maybe there's some special trust that would help. Would your beneficiaries use your financial legacy for positive purposes or negative purposes, like unhealthy addictions to alcohol, drugs, gambling, or pornography? Maybe you want to use a trust if you have a beneficiary like that, and that would be more complicated than just using a deed like this. Or do you have dreams, ideas, and goals for leaving a lasting legacy? Again, using this simple approach may not be the best one. All I'm saying is that these are factors for you to consider. You heard it here on Talk Law Radio. Hopefully you learned something about deeds the differences between general warranty deed, special warranty deed, deed without warranty, quit claim, transfer on death deed, ladybird deed, gift deed, life estate deed, and I'll talk to you later.
2: all business owners and industry leaders seeking to elevate your brand and align with a highly targeted audience. Talk Law Radio invites you to partner with us in bringing in-depth interviews with expert guests, thought-provoking discussions, and practical advice on a variety of matters to the listening audience. Let us get your business name out into the community. Log on to talklawradio.com to find out how you can become a sponsor. That's talklawradio.com